Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Why do you suppose that no one in Egypt put away in store personally from the three-fifths that they had left over uh, during the years of plenty? Why didn't they put that away for the years of famine? Okay, they were not taking seriously what Joseph said. In other words, they didn't really believe him, right? Okay, that's a good one. Okay, now... Let's think about that a little bit. Joseph was the man for Egypt. He was the star. He was the center of attraction. The spotlight was on Joseph. Joseph was very entertaining to them. I mean, here he was, you know, all the drama just spread around Egypt. You can imagine, oh, you should have seen the magicians and the wise men, and they did everything. And then, you know, and then comes Joseph, and he accurately interprets the dreams of Pharaoh. And then he got a sudden rise to power. And now he's building storehouses. He's putting up the way the food. But deep down in their hearts, there really wasn't a belief in what he was saying. But all of Egypt, they really enjoyed Joseph. They enjoyed his preaching. They really enjoyed seeing Joseph ride in the royal chariot and see him wear the fine linen and the golden chain. But all of Egypt, they really enjoyed to see Joseph and everything. But, and they bowed the knee when he came. They all yelled out, bow the knee, and they bowed the knee. They really loved Joseph. They loved to hear him preach on prophecy on the late, great Egypt. <laughs> he could write a book, the late, late, great planet Egypt. You know, He was very interesting. He was very interesting for all of Egypt. But all of Egypt really did not believe Joseph. But by their outward interest in Joseph, it looked like they believed Joseph. But inwardly, no one really believed him in Egypt. And if you ask them, if you ask them, all of the Egyptians would say, oh, of course we believe Joseph. But deep down, they really didn't because nobody put away anything for their personal store. Because no one laid up any food for the coming famine that he was preaching about, which showed that if the Egyptians really did believe Joseph, that they would have laid up food out of the three-fifths that they had left over. And the fact that none of the Egyptians bothered to take any of the three-fifths left over and store it up in the future, they had three times what they needed. But that shows that deep down they really didn't believe him. They didn't believe this about the coming famine. And when you see this about Joseph and the Egyptians and how they got caught with nothing laid up because they really didn't believe during the time, that's like we see many people today. They're just like those Egyptians. 
They really enjoy good gospel preaching. Oh, they enjoy it. But really, deep down, they don't really believe it. I mean, just like all the Egyptians, many people today really enjoy, they enjoy going to church, they enjoy watching Christian television, they enjoy listening to Christian radio, they enjoy listening to Friendship with God. Maybe they do, I don't know. But deep down, they don't really believe it. Oh, they like the stories, they like the jokes. Someone told me recently, I really like your jokes. <laughs> so, but I'm not saying this about you. <laughs> but, anyway, but deep down... They really don't believe that there's a hell to avoid because they haven't made personally, deep down, where it can't be seen, they haven't really made provisions to avoid hell. They outwardly, they look forward to these evangelical crusades. Oh, they, when they come to town, they're so excited. They sit in the front row there. They want to take in all the music. They want to listen to all the messages. They love the excitement of the crusades and they listen intently to the messages, but deep down, they don't really believe Because just as the Egyptians did not lay up that grain for the coming famine, they've not really made the Lord Jesus the God of their lives. The God of their lives. They enjoy the crusades. They enjoy the Christian cruises to Alaska with all the music, with all the preaching, with all the fellowship. To them, being around Christians is just so pleasant. But deep down, they really don't believe the Christian message. I mean, they love to go to Israel with a good Bible teacher, and they but they really don't believe the Bible teacher. To them, the Bible teacher is he's just he's interesting to listen to, but they just don't believe it. And they, they love to go to the Bible studies. They, they know the Bible, but they really don't believe the Bible. To them, the Bible is just a very interesting book. And that's as far as it goes with the book. It's just very interesting. The stronger the preaching, the more they love it. They'll yell out, amen, preach it, brother. But just like the Egyptians who appeared outwardly to believe Joseph, they bowed the knee when he came, but inwardly, they were not bowing the heart. They were not bowing the heart. They were not bowing the mind, just the knee. And because they weren't personally laying up any food for the famine that Joseph was telling them, was preaching about, inwardly, they really didn't believe Joseph. And just like the Egyptians who outwardly bowed the knee, people outwardly believed the Lord Jesus You know, they prayed the sinner's prayer. They've joined, they're faithfully attending the local church. But inwardly, there's no bowing of the heart. Inwardly, they're not really trusting in the blood, only the blood of the Lord Jesus for acceptance, for acceptance by God and entrance into heaven. They really didn't lay up any grain for the future famine. I mean, inwardly, they're not passing every decision in their life through the filter or through the scrutiny of the Acts 9-6. Acts 9-6 filter. Acts 9-6 scrutiny, which simply says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? That's like a scrutiny. That's like a filter for all the decisions in life. They're not doing that. And for all the Egyptians who outwardly appeared to believe Joseph, but really didn't, all their deep unbelief became exposed when the famine started when the famine started. And if no one really knew if the Egyptians, if this Egyptian family or that Egyptian family or all the Egyptians, if no one really knew, well, maybe they got a secret stash because they don't want to get robbed. Maybe they really did believe them. When the famine came, it exposed it all. It exposed it all. When it says in verse 52, all the land of Egypt was famished. 
And that's when it became exposed that Egypt really didn't take to heart and believe his message. And then it was too late. It was too late to go back and say, oh, I want to go back and collect grain. That's finished. That opportunity is gone. It's past. Just like when every person dies and they're ushered forward to their personal judgment, as we saw in in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto men once to die, but after that, the judgment, that's when it all be exposed that they really didn't know the Lord as their personal God before they had passed all their decisions of life through the Acts 9, 6, Lord, what will that have me to do? Filter. And it's so expressed when the Lord said in Matthew 7, 22, Matthew 7, 22, when he says, we read all the land of Egypt was famished, he said in Matthew 7, 22, many, all the land, many, he says, will come to me, will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils? In thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Can't stand to be around you. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon the rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, not collect the grain, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these things that people were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. See, many people are gonna talk at their judgment seat about all their outward acts that they did like preaching in Jesus' name or casting out devils in Jesus' name or doing many wonderful works like feeding the poor and the homeless in Jesus' name. But then the Lord is gonna say to them, I never knew you. He never knew them. I don't remember ever seeing you come to me and claiming that you were a dirty, rotten sinner. What, a dirty, rotten sinner? Yeah, oh no. But that's what 1 Timothy 1.15 says. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. He's the dirtiest and the most rotten sinner, in other words. He never knew them means I never knew you as the sinners that, 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 that got justified like that publican, that publican who was standing on the side of the Pharisee in Luke 18, 13. Luke 18, 13, the publican standing afar off would not so much as his eyes lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, And the Lord said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So he's saying, I never knew you like that. I never knew you. But for those who he said he never knew them, it was too late. It was too late for them to go back and, well, I'll build a daily life now of using the Acts 9-6 scrutiny with every decision in life, I'm gonna say, Lord, what will thou have me to do? I'll do that. I'll come to you as a dirty, rotten sinner. It was too late. 
And just like the famine, when it started, it was too late for the Egyptians to go back and store that grain that they could have stored when they had it. And right after the Lord tells this tragedy of those who are proud and have the outward appearance of being his followers, but were not really, then he tells the parable of the wise man that built his house on the rock and the foolish man that built his house in the sand. And, and, and in that parable, he didn't say, if the rains descend, if the rains descend. He said, and the rains descended, and the rains descended. It wasn't an if, it was, it was that they did. And just like the Egyptians could say, we bowed the knee to Joseph. What more did you want from us? We hailed him as our ruler and as our king. And so then the question is, well, why didn't you put up grain? Why didn't you put up grain for your family if you believed? It's possible. So, okay, now I'll go back to the original question. Why else do you think that they didn't put up grain? One is that they didn't believe. What's another one? Possible reason. That's very good. Forget. Okay, I want to cover that after I get the first one (laughs) and after one before that. And the reason is they were all Democrats. That's why. (laughs) They believe the government's going to take care of us. They watch Joseph do all this and they say, I don't need to do it because they just relied on Joseph. They say, why should I knock myself out? Now, (laughs) that wasn't really a good idea for them. Why? Because Joseph didn't give them food. He charged them and it cost them a lot. Cost them everything they had, including their freedom. And they became indentured. So if the Egyptians were relying on Joseph, they should have laid up the grain for their own personal use. And that's like so many people today. They're relying on somebody else to do something for them to get them into heaven. It reminds me of my Jewish friend when I was in Africa and in Ethiopia. And we were leaving the Hilton Hotel in Addis Ababa. And we were walking together. And I put my arm on his shoulder. And I said, so how are you going to get to heaven? I said to him, And he pointed to his wife and he said, I'm going on her coattails. (laughs) She was doing a lot of good things. I'm going on her coattails. There are people today who really are relying on their spouses, on their parents, or on somebody to get them to heaven. But each person has to make their own decision. This is a personal and an individual matter of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means when it says in John 1.12, John 1.12, as many as received him to them gave you the power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when it says as many as received him in John 1, 12, that means as many people, as many persons individually and personally received him. And when it says they weren't born of blood, that means it doesn't matter if you were part of a long line of Christians in your family, from a bloodline of devout Christians, it doesn't matter. Each person has to personally and individually receive the Lord Jesus for themselves. And when it says that they weren't born by the will of man, that means that another person cannot will a person to be born again. Each person has to personally, individually receive the Lord. So maybe the Egyptians were just relying on Joseph. He's going to take care of the food for us during the famine, but that cost them a lot. Okay, now, you said, um, Jose, they forgot. They forgot. It was easy to forget. Why? Because during the years of plenty, why was it easy to forget? Everything was great. The good times were rolling. Nobody was thinking about buying insurance at that time. <laughs> you know, the good times have a way to anesthetize our sense of fear 
and this is what the Lord warned about when he spoke about the need to fear judgment and how the good times just anesthetize. You know, he, he said in Matthew 24, 38, Matthew 24, 38, for as in the days that were before the flood, those were the good times, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. As a matter of fact, that's how the days of flood are actually described in Genesis 6-2. Genesis 6-2, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they chose them wise of all which they do. Just imagine that these people are on the brink of the greatest judgment that the world has ever known. And what are they concerned about? Is she pretty? <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, let's look the chicks over. That's what they're concerned about. I asked my friend John, he's staying now in a hotel in Israel. I said, did you sleep well? He said, no. I said, why didn't you sleep well? He says, because the hotel is right next to a nightclub that's open till 4 a.m. in the morning. I said, a nightclub that's open till 4 a.m. in the morning. Iran is building nuclear bombs to destroy Israel. Iran has just tested the first ever 250 mile an hour underwater torpedo to destroy Israel. ISIS it's vowed the annihilation of Israel now fully controls a city on their border, which can be seen from the Golan Heights. Syria, which has vowed to destroy Israel, now has Russia protecting Syria, and they're now flying planes on the Syrian border with Israel. Hezbollah is determined to destroy Israel, and they've now, they've now mounted new war missile launchers on the Lebanese border with Israel. And the World Organization of the United Nations has just passed a resolution condemning, condemning Israel. Now, with all this going on now against Israel, what are some doing in Israel? They're going to a nightclub that's open till 4 a.m. in the morning. Okay? And that's just like the rich man. The rich man who's going to die one night, and there's no fear for dying on his part. And all he's thinking about is, how can I enjoy myself? In Luke 12, 16, Luke 12, 16, when it says... He thought within himself, saying, his ground brought forth plentifully. What shall I do? Because I have no room. Ah, oh, he said, this will I do. I'll, build, I'll pull down my barns and build greater. Then, then I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for the years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, be merry. God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. How could this disconnect happen? How could there be such a disconnect from this rich man whose main concern was how he's going to enjoy all the riches he'd put together, and the re that's his reality, and God's reality, you're going to die tonight. The years of plenty, or the good times, it make it very hard for a person to take to heart this coming doom. I mean, Israel today, it's a prosperous country. I mean, the food is, is good, it's all fresh. Israel is full of great hamburger restaurants. Israelis take their hamburgers very seriously. You know, fresh meats, freshly baked breads, well, everything. And, and, and it's a land that's full of food. I mean, it, it's a little tiny place, but it's exporting fruits and vegetables up into Europe. It's a prosperous country with nearly 7 million Jews living in it. And with 7 million Jews, there's probably around 7,000 to 10,000 believers, Jewish believers in the land. That's one in a 1,000. That's 0 0.1. We talk about Japan. With a, what is it, 2%? I can't remember. 1%. 0.5. Okay, so Japan has five times more Christians 
than Israel. And why? Why is that? Oh, the Israelis, they'll listen to you talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're just really not interested in becoming a believer. Why? Well, there are many reasons. But one of them is because the beach in Tel Aviv is beautiful. And the boardwalk there is wonderful with all the food. And the water is warm and the friendships are wonderful. So who needs God? Life really is a beach there. See? So the good times have blinded the minds and the hearts and the wills to the reality of God's standard of righteousness that, that everybody will be measured against, of the personal sin that they'll fail from, of the unavoidable judgment that they will go through, and of the certain condemnation that they're going to be cast into hell. So another reason the Egyptians did not lay up food for the coming famine is because the years of plenty were such good times, it just put the Egyptians to sleep about the fact that the bad times were coming. Now, that's a problem that we face here. When the sun's shining and it's 75 degrees outside, beautiful day like today in San Diego, how can you think about judgment and being cast into hell? I mean, such a beautiful place in San Diego. How can you speak to others about judgment of sins and salvation from hell? I mean, such beautiful surroundings. How can we pray? How can we really pray for others to be not cast into hell? And God says, there's a way. He says to us in Isaiah 64, 7, he says, there's none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. We can do that. We can pray when we stir ourselves up. It's our responsibility to stir ourselves up. How do you stir yourselves up? Through the Bible, through sermons, through hymns, to live in a different world a world with the reality of heaven and hell and sin and righteousness and judgment and salvation, that world. But in a land of pleasantness, how can we really pray for the lost? How can, we, how, how can we go to a real Wednesday night prayer meeting to pray? It's by not floating with the crowd. God says in, in Isaiah 59, 16, 59, 16, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. He wonders, he looks, he wonders. And there were reasons why none of the Egyptians laid up grain for their personal famine. Because they really didn't believe Joseph. Because if it was true, maybe Joseph, they would just be all that Joseph, Joseph took care of it all. Or because during the good times, when the years of plenty, they just couldn't bring themselves to thinking about something so horrible as a famine. But the end result was, in verse 55, all the land of Egypt was famished. They were caught totally unprepared when the famine came. And when the famine came, all the Egyptians, they didn't have any store for themselves. They were all unprepared. Well, next week we're going to see what the Egyptians did when the famine came. Let's pray. Father, we pray that, Lord, you would help us to not also become trapped and sleeping when we should be, Lord, concerned and, and bringing the message of warning as Joseph did to a lost world that judgment's coming. Heaven is possible. Hell is also possible. And so, Lord, we do pray that you would help us to speak and be a, a responsible ambassador for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God, don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free 
at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you believe God created the earth? Do you believe God created you in his image? Then come celebrate Museum Day at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Museum Day is a Christian family festival event with life-size dinosaurs, games, rides, contest prizes, fair food, vendor booths, petting zoos, live animal encounters, and super science experiments for kids, along with world-renowned speakers Tom Cantor, Eric Hoven, David Reeves, Russ Miller, Kevin Conover, Dr. John Baumgartner, and more. Free admission to the museum and all speaking engagements for you and your family and entire church family are free. The Creation and Earth History Museum is located off of Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue in Santee next to the Santee Drive-In. So bring your family and friends on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and strengthen your faith at Museum Day. For more information, call us at 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org, creationsd.org.